Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today we got a very special episode of the podcast because it's special every week. We're going to talk about the USC scholarship situation. Well, you have the scholarship distribution chart just came out. We're going to talk about what the numbers look like, what it compares to last year. And we're going to do that with me, your host, Ryan Abraham, alongside Chris Javino, who's with me in studio. If you're watching live on YouTube, thank you very much for that. This is our second attempt. We didn't have any audio for the first time, but we just restarted it. We got it going again. I think the audio is working now, so that would be good. Uh, but welcome in, Chris. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Very chaotic to start this show, but we're here, ready to rock. Chat, let us know if you can hear us. Yeah, uh, hopefully people can. Um, yeah, we're going to get people going in there on the live show and everything uh, as it's we had to restart it. We had to do a new link and all that stuff. So we put it up on Twitter and everything. But thank you for sticking with us with that. Uh, but we do have a great show for you today. If you have any questions or comments, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow us over there and leave us a five-star rating and review. That really does help to grow the show. And if you're watching live on YouTube or watching on the uh, replay on YouTube, uh, it's great to get in there, hit the like button. It's awesome. That helps uh, grow the show. And then, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tons of video content we've been putting up there. And and if you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, you got to get over there because, duh, that's where all the action is, Chris. Tons of content going up there. We got Chris's spring list we're going to talk about today. We're going to start off with the scholarship distribution chart. But uh, it was Super Bowl weekend, though. Chris, how are you doing, man? Did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Had an impromptu kind of like Super Bowl gathering, you know, lots of food. I made chili, Ooh. which was a big hit. I'm overstocked with sweets right now at my place. So, yeah, good times. Nice. And uh, you were out in the desert. I was I was out in the desert. Uh, that, not the uh, Palm Springs desert, but the Las Vegas uh, desert. And uh, that was a lot of fun. My friends, actually former USC uh, sports information director uh he works in sports information uh my buddy paul him and his wife throw a super bowl party this is their 26th year of doing the party so i've gone to probably a little more than half of them but i love going out to vegas for super bowl it was a lot of fun and uh yeah so was that got, you doing the golf thing is that what i saw there was i did a little golf simulator it's a place called area 15 where you can um it's kind of like an adult i mean it's like more adult david busters beers and, and and a lot of fun stuff in there but it was cool and uh What's the appeal of that? So, like, I played Pebble Beach. Like, I was playing, like, a, this fancy golf course. But it's fun. It's, like, you can use it as a golf simulator. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I enjoy it. Yeah. You're not a golfer, so, no. you know. I'm a putt-putt golfer. Yeah. You can do the putting. I know my last name is Trevino, but no, I do not golf. I, I know, do not golf There's well. a famous uh, Trevino or Trevino. They know. They know. Yeah. If you golf, you know. Um, I get it yeah. all the time. Sweet. Uh, and also, it's uh, we're doing this on a Tuesday morning. And uh, sorry for the restart. It looks like people are starting to get back in the chat and everything. So thanks for that. Uh, we do. I think we only have like uh, one voicemail today. So if you're in the chat uh, or live on YouTube, 
put a question there. Just put question in the beginning. I will start and get back to you uh, for later. But if you're in there, smash that like button, smash the subscribe. We appreciate that. But it's it's Valentine's Day, Chris. Happy Valentine's Day. Hold on. Um, Happy Valentine's Day. You got some sound? Only the slimiest low life of a husband would forget you on Valentine's Day. Yeah, you can't forget you can't forget your significant other on Valentine's Day, uh, and that's why I want to talk about our sponsor, Trader Joe's. I went over there yesterday, Chris, into Trader Joe's. They ha- okay, so we've talked about their flowers and stuff before. Mm-hmm. So I went in on Monday, so the day before Valentine's Day. Um, huge, huge selection of flowers. They had them outside. You don't even have to go in. They have this all kinds of flowers. I think the the lowest like from five dollars up to like twenty. Like they have nicer bouquets. Um, they have a bunch of roses and stuff inside, man. It was, I mean, usually if you go to like a florist on Valentine's day, you're going to like pay an arm and a leg, really good looking flowers all over the place. Uh, and it was, it was pretty cool. And I just, I'd recently, um, I found some ants like in my pantry and the pantry was just kind of like a ants. Lot of, yeah. There was ants in there. So I like when it was raining, so I like cleaned it out I'm like, I'm going to clean out the pantry. So I kind of did a spring cleaning and I had a bunch of crap in there. I didn't need anymore. And just stuff that, you know. Not even food stuff. And so I got rid of all that. So I had like a nice clean pantry. So then I had open shelves. I'm like, all right, I need to go pick up a bunch of sauce from Trader Joe's, um, different pastas. I like that they have a variety of pastas and the different sauces. And they have a bolognese sauce that the uh, che- the checkout guy said is really good. He said you could drink it with a straw. So I haven't tried that one yet. So I picked that up. Yeah, but it, go to the flowers. Uh, go get flowers if you need it for today. That's a good one. Uh, for your Valentine, but I have a Valentine for you, Chris. I know we were talking about what bit we were going to do today. Okay. Hold on. So um, you might have to talk for a second. Well, usually I'm the one who comes up with bits for this show, but Ryan, I, this is not uh, rehearsed. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, he's working through some sort of box going on right now. This is, I got Chris a Valentine day. So see, you get this donut. Oh, okay. Yeah. He loves me. <laughs> They have different ones. I, we could probably eat it during the show. Um, what is this I, filled with? Jelly or something? I don't think there's. Je- I don't think there's anything in it. Uh, really? I just went to like a, my local donut shop. So I have. I got one like a regular one for me, but for Chris, that's so sweet. I had to get him the. Uh, it's a sweet one. The yeah. jumbo one. It smells delicious. Do you send a bunch of texts like mom and everything about like Happy Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah. Of the course. Yeah. Pull up the gifts and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I uh, can I tell a quick sort of, of related USC story, Valentine's Day story? I yeah. love telling the story. So this was probably like four years ago, 2018, maybe 2019. But it was Valentine's Day and I was at a flower shop buying flowers. Okay. Obviously, it's hectic. It's chaotic. And I'm not going to name the person, obviously. But I got a call from the parent of a USC player that was on the team. Okay. Former big time recruit. And he just started, he, he calls me, he calls me from time to time and it was dad. And, you know, we just, we're, we're just talking, you know, talking about, you know, how his son's doing, blah, blah, blah. And like I said, it's chaotic at this flower shop. And he's like, Hey, what, what's going on? It's like, you're, you're pretty, it sounds pretty, you know, busy back there. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm at a flower shop buying flowers for Valentine's day. And then there's just this long pause uh-huh. on the phone. And then he goes, Oh shit, I'm fucking up. I gotta go. <laughs> and then he hung up. And 
It was amazing. It was amazing. And and I was like, all right. And then, yeah. So that I, I hope he went to Trader Joe's is what I'm saying. Yeah. Next time I'll tell him to go. Yeah. So no, I'm nice. not gonna name the player or the parent. But yeah, that's a uh, a hilarious USC Valentine's Day story that are intertwined together. So yeah. I figured I would share that on the pod. I don't think I've shared that story. I haven't. I don't. The, I haven't yeah. heard that one. That's. A good I've one. told that story many times to my friend group and stuff. Okay. I got to throw it in my group chat saying, because uh, they know who the person is. I'm like, uh, the anniversary of uh oh shit, I'm fucking up. <laughs> Hang up. <laughs> so yeah. Kings fan says Chris Rock in the Terps gear. Yeah, it's my uh, it's my birthday, uh, Thursday. So oh, I'm feeling cool. I'm feeling very uh, my home. I'm feeling very home state e this week so i'm just rocking the terps gear today and it's red for valentine so yeah yeah nice. it's a little i got a pink shirt on i don't know if you can tell uh but it's pink um for very valentine. salmon i was uh yeah i would i would i had the my gym this morning my workout class like they encouraged us to wear so i wore like a pink uh workout shirt too with t-shirt in there and then uh, our instructor megan had her husband made cookies so i had like valentine's day cookie this morning so and a cookie and i'm gonna have a donut here at some point if you go on a long rant uh i can definitely go on that okay we gotta talk about uh anything else you want to bring up before no we... i think they're ready for us to jump into this they're ready for jump in scholarship distribution chart so what is it i think i started it back in 97 no, we have, okay. it was, this was more, let me see what I got links back to like 2018, but I think we started doing it, um, in the mid teens or like, you know, 12, 13, essentially because USC was under, um, sanctions. And at that point we didn't, you know, you kind of knew there was 85 scholarships. You could sign 25 guys, but you didn't really know like what, what all this stuff meant. Um, you, and once they changed the rules and USC could only have 75 scholarships and you can only sign 15, you start digging into the numbers. It was crazy. So I made this chart to kind of figure out how many guys USC had on scholarship. Um, you can only have 85. It's a, and just so people know, football is a head count sport. There's no partial scholarships. You can't be on scholarship for the fall and then come off. Um, there, you can count forward, count back. There's some, some rules like that, but if you're on scholarship for the 2022 season, you're on for the whole year. Um, and that ends in the summer. So I don't know if it's July 1st or August 1st. It's, it's around that. I think it's might be July 1st is when the sort of everything recap, you know, resets. Um, so by then, you know, whoever's on scholarship, you have to have 85 or under. I don't know what happens if you don't like what, you know, is the NCAA going to do anything? I have no idea what's going on, but you're supposed to, that's when you're supposed to have 85 compliance. Got to check all this stuff. Um, so we keep track and we don't get like, we haven't had like an official, official update on the roster, which we will get in the next couple of weeks because USC is heading into spring football. So we'll probably get some updates there. There'll be a few guys that we thought are you know, on this list that, that will that not gonna, be on this list. Some exactly. guys that are getting kind of processed. Maybe they're still in school, but they're not part of the football team. Right. Uh, was it um, was it Jake uh, Smith? Jake Smith was still on school, but he was off scholarship. He has since entered the transfer portal, but he wasn't on scholarship the whole season anyway. So we didn't like list him as a transfer because he was uh, not on the scholarship. He still had a school. He was a scholarship. Uh, he still had a scholarship to go to USC, which is great, but he wasn't counting towards USC's official scholarship 
number. I believe he's back at, he went to Arizona State. I believe he's there. Yeah. At Arizona State back, you know, an Arizona native. And he's got a USC degree. So, you know. Good, good for him. Yeah. Uh, so right now, the count that I have uh, is 90. So five over what the 85 limit is. But you can go to uscfootball.com and uh, and check it out. Obviously, there, you know, there's a couple of guys that we're not sure of. I've put some inquiries into USC and I haven't heard back yet. But in the next couple of weeks, we will get official roster going into spring football. And then we can double check it with what we have here um, and see if there's some players that just aren't there anymore. Maybe they're in school and they're just not doing the workouts and they're not on the team. And uh, therefore, they're not counting uh, for the scholarship number. So we'll kind of get you an update on what was going on. So this isn't official. It's just a rough look estimate yeah and it looks pretty good i think it's a good job oh thanks and uh i want to do like a few sort of like comparisons with last year i go by position group uh some of the numbers are pretty similar some have gone up some have gone down like usc had three scholarship quarterbacks 2022 there's four now you add malachi nelson um added a couple running backs so from four you go up to six so that's good uh, you, you know, you got Marshawn Lloyd transferring in, but also a couple of freshmen wide receivers about the same. I have the count at 10 right now. It was 11 last year. Tight end still five offensive linemen bounced up. Now we'll see if all these guys are still going to be there. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you had guys like Jason Rodriguez, uh, retire, uh, the seniors going, you know, going away, but bringing in, you know, was it three transfers and then five freshmen that adds a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to have 17 offensive linemen on the roster going into the season, but that's what you have right now. Defensive tackle, 6-7. It's about the same. Defensive end, same thing. Added one of each uh, and added also a rush end, um, you know, a, a, an edge rusher. So of the three defensive ca- defensive line categories that I have, one more player in each spot. Um, same amount of inside linebackers, still eight inside linebackers. Same amount of corners, nine. Same amount of safeties, nine. Um, and still a couple guys on special teams. So some numbers pretty similar. The only increase would be on the on the offensive line. The the, the distribution by class is a little bit different. Um, only 10 seniors were on the roster last year. That's up to 14 now as guys, guys move through. Um, there's 33 juniors. Uh, there was only 10 juniors last year. Uh, but that's because there were 40 sophomores last year. That's why there's so many juniors. But that that was that 2020-2021 class that sort of got combined. So that's starting to thin out a little bit. Instead of a 40 number, you have 33 for a class. But that's still, next year, those are going to be seniors and then kind of move through. But it already reduced from 40 to 33 moving on, and it'll probably reduce again uh, going into the 2024 season. But uh, 18 sophomores and 25 freshmen because uh, compared to 21 freshmen last year. So it's starting to even out a little bit more, Chris, by the, the classes. But if you look at last year, it was 21 freshmen, 40 sophomores, and then 10 juniors, 10 seniors. So now it's starting to space out a little bit, which is something that, that's what you want. Yeah. With the whole, you know, Clay Helton era, there was like really big gaps and positions that were under recruited and some of them were over recruited. So you had kind of a wonky scholarship chart. And these big gaps everywhere. Now we're starting to see it even out more. And it's just more balance across all the classes. Obviously, your senior classes are usually smaller just because you have guys who transfer out or guys that turn pro early. So senior classes are usually not too big. But we're starting to see it, you know, look much more balanced across freshmen, sophomores, and your juniors, which is what you want. Yeah. 
Uh, but the chart is up finally. I was getting a lot of crap on Twitter. I don't even know why. Deserve it. It was well, someone like. It goes back on me because everyone assumes that I'm doing it now or something because I got people tweeting at me like, when's the scholarship chart? When's the scholarship chart? If yeah. I could, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me about it, I could, you know, buy um, a diamond necklace. Uh, that's true. For my uh, girlfriend. It's a popular. Real. It's a popular feature. Um, and I want to shout out to uh, Arizona Trojan on Peristyle. I believe. Like, I'm going to make sure that's his uh, handle on there. Uh, but he does a great job, like kind of keeping up with this. And he'll like double check me on uh, things that I that I'm doing. Um, Sounds like you should just pay him oh, a freelance free to just do it for you. He's. Cha- I think he's changed his name to Arizona Italian now. Um, but it was Arizona. I think believe it was Arizona Trojan before. Uh, but he does a really nice job. He has his own little chart thing and, uh, Shotgun and I were sort of like double checking what we had with what he had and it was all pretty close. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, we're still trying to find out a few things, um, from that, but, uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out, get on the Peristyle. If you're not on the Peristyle, get over there. That's where all the, all the great information is, uh, lots of great posters. And of course, all of our staff, we have a big staff here at uscfootball.com. No one has more people covering the Trojans than us. No one's been covering the Trojans longer than me. Is that crazy? Like, I'm like the somehow I became like the Godfather. You're the old old. I'm guy the old man. The USC in the media, B room. Like, uh, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. But we have a big staff, which is great. Uh, we can cover a lot of events, a lot of insight, a lot of content for you up there. So you will never be bored throughout the entire um, off season. But a bunch of freshmen coming in. Um, Transfer portal-wise, do we have a list up there of all the guys that have transferred in? That's probably there's probably going to be a few more added, and like I said, probably a few more kind of transferring out. But um, you know, we you know all the early signing period additions are in there. The uh, the traditional national signing day. It's really just Jacoby Lane who was already committed. Walker Lyons isn't listed on there because he's going to take his Mormon mission, but he had signed. Um, that he's just going to be kind of delayed. And we go over, you know, you can see like the old charts uh, from the last several years, uh, which players graduated. Only two early defections to the NFL, Jordan Addison and Tuli Tuli Pelotu. Uh, but it give you a whole kind of idea of how the, the scholarship distribution is set right now. And then, you know, people like to speculate, like who's going to be there, who's not. Like you never know, players are going to transfer out. I'm guessing we get that number down a couple, Chris, heading into spring football. Yeah. And then you'll see another exodus post spring football. Yeah. Yeah. So with the, guys with the, don't with like the window opening. Yeah. But that's just that's just the way college football is, college football is right now. So um the second portal wave. The second portal wave. We'll and be ready. when it opens again, it opens again in May. Yeah. Uh, but there's also players that are still in the portal that haven't you know, uh, picked a school yet and everything. So right. you're going to see some of that. Um, Sager, I think that's how you say his name. Just had a Trader Joe's spicy lentil wrap for an early lunch. I'm sure Ryan would approve. I do. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Um, I like going in there and picking up like the prepackaged like sandwiches and everything. It's great. Okay. Uh, also want to talk about, is there anything else on the scholarship numbers you want to No, I think you're golden. Go through. Um, there's been some support staff changes uh that usc's add and there's you know, probably it's going to be some turnover there uh, maybe the most known name is bookie radley hiles who we covered back in high school he played for lincoln riley at oklahoma and he is now on the sports staff but there's a couple others too if you want to i'll give you the floor if you want to talk about usc's sports staff should changes. i start with bookie 
Yeah, start with whose Bookie. real name is Brendan, by the way, but synonymous, uh, not synonymously known as Bookie across all avenues. And if you've been covering or if you've been following, you know, recruiting in the SoCal area for the last 10 years, you know who Bookie is. You know, he was a former top 50 prospect, 2018, went to Calabasas, uh, transferred to IMG for his final senior or senior year or maybe his final two years, but ended his prep career at IMG, signed with Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma over, you know, a bevy of offers, uh, Clemson, Florida, USC, UCLA, uh, you know, bunch of high-end power power five conferences. Chose Lincoln Riley, went on to be a starter there for multiple seasons. You know, didn't quite kind of live up to that top 50 billing. I think he was kind of considered a polarizing figure among Oklahoma fans, you know, for some untimely penalties, you know, very fiery on the field. But, you know, he started 115 career tackles, three picks, one pick six. Ended up leaving Oklahoma, went to the transfer portal. USC was talked about maybe as a possible destination. Dante Williams, you know, they had a good relationship, recruited him when he was at Nebraska. Nebraska was a player for him, but ended up going to Washington for Jimmy Lake. Disastrous season, obviously. They went 4-8. and eight. Lake was fired. Started, I believe, like nine games, eight games over the course of that season. Didn't get drafted, you know, had a cup of coffee with the Cincinnati Bengals, got waived in August. And him joining the USC staff should not be surprised to anyone who followed my ghost notes last season because Bookie was at, I would say, like 90% of the practices. He was an unofficial member of that staff already. He was there at, you know, just hanging out. You know, he would have a, the the coaching wristband on. You know, he wasn't really involved like that, but he was, you could tell he was just there. You know, the players would, would come up and say hi to him. He'd already seemed like he had built a connection with some of the guys. So the next step was to make it official. It is official. He's going to be a defensive analyst for the the Trojans. And, you know, we'll talk more about it on Composite Two Star Recruits. And I think we did a little bit uh, two weeks ago uh, on our live show. But Bookie will be an asset recruiting-wise because a lot of the kids that, you know, are targets now that are, you know, the 2025 class, 2024 2026, they know who Bookie is. You know, they grew up watching him. He was a name to them growing up in SoCal. So he's already started helping out with kids that have come on campus already for those uh, unofficial visits they did in January. You know, Bookie's name was thrown around by some kids. You know, we got to talk to him on campus. So he's already hit the ground running. And it's going to be interesting to see what that impact is in SoCal recruiting, recruiting those local kids because his name does carry some weight in those, you know, seven-on-seven recruiting high school circles. He is a name. He is a memorable name. Uh, from this area. So that's a big get. That's an addition. You know, they had a couple spots open with Connor McQueen and Austin Woods leaving for Incarnate Word uh, out in San Antonio, Texas. So they have some spots open. The other spot uh, or another spot that's being filled by Trey Tinsley, who if you're familiar with that name, you might recognize Scott Tinsley, a former backup USC quarterback. I'm sure someone in the chat's like, yeah, he's my former boss or something or something like that. But yeah, Trey Tinsley, the son of former USC quarterback Scott Tinsley. He is a SoCal native. Uh, funny enough, Scott Tinsley is actually an Oklahoma native, so funny kind of crossing of there. But Trey went to El Toro High School, you know, walked on at Fullerton College, or excuse me, played at Fullerton College at Juco level, walked on to Washington State, and ended up being the place kicker holder. Uh, you know, had maybe like 20 career uh, attempts in college, two touchdowns, nothing spectacular, but 
Mike Leach, uh, RIP to Mike Leach, you know, similar to how Lincoln Riley got his start under Mike Leach, Trey Tinsley got his start under uh, Mike Leach as well. You know, he said, I want you to join my staff. So he joined him uh, when he left for Mississippi State in the SEC, was a graduate assistant. Uh, I believe then he moved up to quality control assistant in 2022, this past season. And so he got to start in 2021. Now joining uh, Lincoln Riley and his staff as a offensive uh, quality control. And he he listed on his Twitter as working with the quarterbacks, which makes sense because Connor McQueen was working with the quarterbacks. So they need a spot for someone to work with the quarterback. So, you know, that's a valuable position with someone who's working with Lincoln Riley, you know, and his, his pedigree as a quarterback coach. So that's a big spot. So if Lincoln Riley's hiring for that spot, that means he sees something in you. So Trey Tinsley will be a quality offensive quality control analyst working with the quarterbacks. Pretty good quarterback group to work with this year, obviously. So work uh, keep an eye on that name. And then the other one is Derek Fa'avi. He is not as known as the other two, but he is going to be an offensive quality control uh, analyst. He is a former center from the University of Hawaii, walked on at Hawaii, went on to earn a scholarship in his third year, went on to start for three seasons. He was supposed to be the director of player personnel. I found a news article where he was, you know, slated to be hired by Timmy Chang, but that does not seem to have worked out for whatever reason. It's not listed on his resume and I couldn't find it on past uh, Hawaii rosters for 2021. So not sure what happened there, but he's been working with a quarterback, a private quarterback uh, training uh, company. That's what he's been doing the last three years. So USC is adding him and, you know, he will be valuable as a recruiter for the, the island, Hawaii. He, he When he was a – he also has some offensive line coaching experience, uh, Keough University, Adams State. I'm not quite sure where the schools are, but he was the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. So when he was at Adams State, he was recruiting Hawaii, New Mexico, and Southern California JUCOs. So has some ties to the area, help USC's recruitment in Polynesian communities and obviously – Hawaii, which they haven't really had that much success in the last five years, uh, haven't really, you know, hit that area hard under Lincoln Riley, but maybe they'll be gearing up for that moving forward. So he will help in those those fields and, yeah, going to be an offensive quality control uh, analyst. And all three of those guys are sort of listed on the roster. It's clearly they've been added, but they just haven't been fully added. But you can see their name on the 2022 roster. I'm sure they'll get full bios. when three. There's no 2023 roster. It's oh, just okay. the 2022 roster. But they've been – guys who have left have been taken off in terms of the coaches. Like Connor McQueen and Austin Woods are not there. But those three guys are added. And the other slight, slight change, I think someone getting, I guess, a promotion is Taylor Mays. Taylor Mays was listed as a student assistant the last couple of years. He is not listed as a defensive analyst. So it looks like maybe he's mm. getting a bump up. And, you know, the most decorated student analyst, student assistant you'll find – in college football is now a defensive analyst. Taylor Mays, so him and Bookie, both defensive analysts. So, yeah, those are the latest football coaching support staff uh, changes. And I wrote a story on all three of those guys. You can go uh, find those on uspeople.com. I also tweeted them out if you want to know more yeah. about those guys. Check it out. Follow them on Twitter at Chris and Trevino. You can follow me at Inside Troy. You can see that on the screen if you're watching uh, YouTube right now. 
Um, yeah, the Taylor May stuff is interesting because you know when we he had actually been coming before he got hired by USC, he was coming into the studio and doing shows with us, and, uh, and then you know now he's working for USC. He can't do that anymore. But uh, yeah, he was going. I had to get, I think he had to go back and finish his degree, and then I think that's why he had to be kind of a student assistant to start. So. Uh, I haven't asked him, but I believe he finished his degree. So that's probably why he's a defensive analyst uh, now. But he's very active out there. Uh, really, I mean, really smart guy. Um, and I think he brings some credibility, you know, being a high draft pick, a guy that ran whatever, a 4-2 something in the 40-yard dash as big as he was. He's kind of a freak. Uh, but really cool dude. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Me, Keely, and him would do shows in here. And uh, it was great. Hopefully, Keely can get him on her podcast. Maybe the maybe he'll do that uh, a little bit. But uh, cool. I want to talk too about um, Caleb Williams was uh, in the is in Phoenix for a Super Bowl, and he went on First Things First. So Nick Wright and uh, that crew. If you've seen that show on FS1, I wasn't really familiar with Nick Wright, but I just being friends with Colin, he kind of showed me, you know, told me about him a little bit, and you know, he has his own show. Uh, which comes on, I think it's after, I think it's after Colin's show, but he was on there and uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. I got, uh, you know, kind of the beginning of it and stuff, but it was cool. Like they, you know, he was in their like uh, studio that was in Phoenix, you know, that bunch that like a live um, studio audience. And uh, they were, I mean, very high praise for uh, Caleb Williams. I don't know if you got to see it, Chris, but, and Caleb Williams, you know, one thing of note, I guess you could say, you know, they were, he was asked about his um, goals for 2023, you know, coming off the Heisman Trophy season. Um, and uh, he said he wanted to throw for, you know, 60 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. So that's like Joe Burrow kind of numbers. Uh, it's funny, Nick Wright was, Nick Wright's a big Kansas City fan, so he was very happy, Kansas City, well, you know, going into it. But he was talking about like the rivalries, like the quarterback rivalries. He's like, you know, Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes, or is it going to be Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes? And he was basically saying, I think it's going to be Caleb Williams and Patrick Mahomes. So even though Mahomes will be in there for seven, you know, it'll be, it'll be an eighth year when Caleb Williams gets to go to the NFL. For some reason, Nick Wright thinks that they're going to have some, and they could, who knows, you know, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes could play for a long time and Caleb Williams could start right away and have big success. But uh, that, that was some, some pretty high praise uh, placed on Caleb Williams. Yeah. I mean, you can't go anywhere with NFL scouts on Twitter or social media and have Caleb Williams' name come up and not have the Patrick Mahomes comparison come up. So that's only going to get stronger as he enters his draft-eligible season as a junior, coming off that Heisman win, and just get ready for a bunch of early 2024 mock drafts where he is the number one overall pick. And there's going to be tons of podcasts and content all over you know, ESPN, CBS Sports, Yahoo, everyone is going to be touting him as the number one pick in 2024. So that's another element he'll have to deal with in terms of expectations as a returning Heisman winner and wanting to put up stats. Like, as you said, Joe Burrow asked Burrow through for 5,600 yards, uh, 5,671 and 60 touchdowns against just six interceptions uh, as LSU won the national championship. So, and I don't think those are crazy numbers where he where he couldn't reach that, Ryan. I don't he has uh offensive line that we think is going to be better than last season. He has a bunch of weapons to choose from. 
you know, you're losing Jordan Addison, but still a ton of talent out there. But, you know, I don't think anyone would look at those numbers and be like, yeah, he can't do it when you saw what he did last season. No, I agree. It's, uh, I mean, he's got to stay healthy the whole time. Uh, it's another year in the system and it's not just, you know, he was very familiar with what Lincoln Riley wanted. And I think now you have a bunch of people that are as well. Um, now there's going to be turnover in different spots, but, uh, you know, some veteran presence is coming back. We're going to talk about a guy like Austin Jones. Um, all those guys know what they're expect, you know, what's expected of them. And, uh, you know, having, having a, a whole year in the system for everybody, staff, players, uh, I think that's going to help uh, Caleb Williams as well. The fact that he could do that right out of the gate was pretty impressive. Um, so, so, yeah, some some potential big numbers there. And he would have probably better rushing numbers than Joe Burrow had. But Joe Burrow, that, that offense was absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, you know, they had a bunch of NFL guys all over the place. So, but Caleb Williams is a special talent. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how close he can get to that. It's also a tougher season schedule. So, you know, uh-huh. they'll be facing better teams. But, you know... I wouldn't say it's not impossible. I think it's certainly in the realm of possibility, knowing his talent level and the kind of offense he'll have around him. Yeah, you can get out of the gate fast, right? Uh, it's an easier schedule to start. You build some momentum, and you got some huge numbers. And then the good thing is you're going to end with big game after big game after big game. So he could like pile up numbers early, and then if you can keep that going and actually win, um, it's hard to repeat as a Heisman Trophy winner. But if his numbers eclipse significantly what he did in 2022, especially the way you end with some big games, you know, you're beating Notre Dame on the road or Oregon on the road and you have a shootout with Michael Penix at home. Like, I mean, that's going to set you up. You know, I think it's, it's hard to kind of trump what you did when you win a Heisman. But, you know, this the way the schedule set up, if he does it, you know, if he does all those things and USC wins, winning is important too. Like you got to win these games, you know, just, he could have huge numbers and USC kind of stinks or whatever. They're, they're nine and three instead of like 11 and one, probably not going to win, but you go 11 and one again and your numbers are better. I mean, I would, you know, it depends what other people do too, but um, I think you got a real shot. Speaking of Super Bowl, uh, congrats. Um, I think we have, what are, I forget where all my stuff is now. Uh, where's my applause? I don't know. New board. Wrong one. Yeah, no, new board. Things are moved around. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is a Super Bowl champion. So, pretty cool. Shout out to to Juju. Yeah. Oh, groovy, baby. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he got the, you know, he was the most controversial play in the game he was a part of when he was, you know, held. Slightly, but uh, I don't think that call should have been made. But that's I agree. But like, I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't like the Eagles. It technically was holding, but that was the only holding call of the game. Like if we went through the tape, I'm sure there was stuff way worse than that that wasn't called. Um, you know, whatever. And it in was- that moment, in the biggest game of the year, you can't make that call. No, you uh, can't make that call. But they did make that call, and you know, Kansas City. Congrats to them. Juju Smith-Juicer, a champion. Ronald Jones, also part of that Kansas City team. So he uh, he has a Super Bowl ring as well. I believe he had another two Super Bowl rings. Because he had Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so not bad. I forgot Ronald Jones was on that team. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Juju, who played a significant role uh, in the game. Not just that controversial play, but he's making catches. Kansas City had some. He had that one drive where he had, like, five catches in a row. 
Yeah, that was kind of crazy. We were like, oh, he's a, he's a big part of this. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, we got that. Oh, we got to talk about your stuff, right? What the, we got, you put out uh, three different lists so far heading into spring football. Mm-hmm. Like I said, less fewer than three weeks away. Five breakout players on defense, five breakout players on offense, and then five Trojans in need of a big spring. Uh, where would you like to start, Chris? Uh, I mean, we could just run through breakouts because those are kind of the first two I put out. Okay. And those are, you know, camp classics, breakout players. I mean, just starting with defense, I'm not going to run through all of them, but kind of maybe the most interesting players I had on there were Damani Jackson. Devin Tompkins and then Earl Barquette. I got a lot of I got some heat on Twitter for adding Earl Barquette on the list. Like he's he's not it. Like you shouldn't have him on there. But in my and in, in my defense, you know we haven't seen any of Earl Barquette. We've had what fifteen snaps of him last season. I, I'm not ready to count him out at all. I mean he's Richard Senior, technically the first the first transfer to ever commit to Lincoln Riley at USC. So he, he'll always have that distinction. But Six foot three, you know, 280 pounds. If you could get him to 300, you could, he could help you on the interior. He's an athletic, uh, defensive lineman, got some twitch. I know if you listen to Composite Two Star Recruits, you know Gerard is a big fan of Earl Barquette. Just didn't see a lot of him last season. And, you know, it's not promising that he wasn't able to do the things he needed to do in practice. You didn't see him, you know, jump up into the rotation because practice dictates dictates a lot of what the players you see on Saturdays for for the staff so that's not a great sign but I'm, I'm still holding out that maybe we can get some Earl Barquette action this spring they will have they will need people to step up on the interior and Earl Barquette has the body type to be a guy there to help them out and at least be on the rotation so I, I that's why I threw him in there you know Devin Tompkins redshirt freshman who good luck buying stock because I own all of it and you know raw prospect Basketball player up in NorCal, only played one year of high school football, six foot six, 260 pounds, maybe a little bit bigger now. We'll see when he walks out the first day of spring camp where he's at, but was listed as an edge prospect. But his future, me and Gerard has said, is on the interior, you know, make him a three technique. He has that frame and he has a frame to take on a lot more weight than when he came on. I think he was listed at like 220 on his high school profile, but we saw him. Over the summer, it's like, that guy's not 220. He is gaining weight. So really excited about him. Lincoln Riley even highlighted him in that that postseason media talk that he had with us about, you know, he is a guy they are excited about and a guy that can help them next season. So Devin Tompkins, going to see what she got in the spring starting then. And, you know, he took a redshirt season, take time to develop. A lot of fans are hoping that, you know, he can make that jump into the rotation for 2023 and Damani Jackson you know pretty much goes without saying you know people wanted to see more of him last season he had injury issues remember he hasn't played football in a long time with the COVID year then hurting him hurting his knee in his senior season so he had a long layoff missed all of spring camp last year basically rehabbing and getting his endurance back so you know an up and down freshman season but you saw the potential did not take that redshirt played in seven games could be a starter this season you know he will be in a fierce cornerback competition so that's why i had damani in there for spring as a guy who can six foot one 190 want to run a 10-5 10-5 10-4 range they don't make those cornerbacks every day so he will have the opportunity to be a starter uh if he can you know win uh some a couple of uh win in a couple camps and so should be fun yeah i mean good list there uh 
the uh, on the offensive side, kind of a mix of offense was harder. I'll, I'll be honest with you, because yeah. there wasn't a lot of like people that were in like circle them in for this is a person that could break out. Yeah, I think there's just more like there's a lot more stability and consistency among that position or on offense. Excuse me. But, you know, I obviously you got Caleb Williams. So it's like, all right, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like I'm going to do like a backup quarterback or anything like that. But I, I had a rule for these. It's like I wanted to stay away from true freshmen, but I just couldn't stay away from Zachariah Branch. I just couldn't do it. It was just too much. I had to bend, break my rule a little bit. And Zach Branch, you know, number one receiver in the country, just an outstanding physical specimen and could be, you know, your starting punt returner. Could be kick kickoff return, and you know I think as a guy who's going to get a lot of reps for this offense once he learns that offense and gets that chemistry down with Caleb Williams, he is just a different kind of receiver out there. So ten three speed, I mean, yeah, you got to find a way to get them on the field. So Zach Branch could be in for a big spring. We'll see. I had you know Cooper Lovelace is an yeah. offensive line. You know that's one of the rare like this guy could be. Circle him in for a breakout, you know, number one Juco interior offensive lineman when he joined the team last offseason was really brawl coming out of high school, you know, didn't play a lot of high school football, you know, played some at the Juco level, which is still college experience, but still needed to, you know, get up to, you know, power five football, spend a lot of time on scout spring camp could be a chance for him to compete to get on that too deep. I'm not I don't think he's ready to be, you know, starter level, especially with the guys they're bringing in. But he's obviously a guy who can compete for a backup spot, and they'd be a lot better with him, uh, you know, taking that taking that next step in his development yeah. and being a potential a contributor, yeah, not just like someone on the roster. And they got a lot of freshmen, so you would hope someone older can kind of be that guy in the backup, one of the backup guards. He's legit, six foot five, three hundred and ten, three hundred twenty pounds. We know he's got flexibility. We know he's got athleticism. So we'll see what that looks like in the in spring. And then another one I had was Relique Brown. I mean, mm. just special playmaker, you know, scored six touchdowns last season. I didn't even realize it was six touchdowns yeah. until I looked it up. You know, this could be his breakout season on a national scene. You know, that ankle injury early kind of kind of sapped some of his uh, explosiveness and cost him reps in the middle of the season. So wonder what did that look like if he hadn't got injured early. But, you know, Travis Dye is gone. You know, that running back is, room is still packed, but... Uh, Relique Brown, like Zach Branch, just a different animal, and find a way to get him on the field. You want to see him run uh, north south a little bit more, not not yes. sideline and sideline. So we'll see if that has has grown going to a sophomore season, but could be a big big season for uh, Relique Brown. You also had Brendan Rice on there. Yeah, that was just a uh, you know you kind of look at it like Brendan Rice breakout. You know he started last season and had a really big Cotton Bowl, but if Brendan Rice Brendan Rice is going to be considered in that competition for that number one receiver. You know, Jordan Addison's gone. So they are having tryouts for that number one go-to receiver. You have Dorian Singer, who I would see have as a slight favorite for that. You have Mario Williams. You have Taj Washington. They have Brendan Rice, who's six foot two, you know, 220 pounds, can run a four, five, four, six. We saw what he can do in the cotton bowl. Like if he plays like that consistently throughout the season. That's an all Pac-12 receiver. That's a, you know, kind of talking about maybe All-American. That's a number one guy. And if he can play like that more consistently throughout the year, 
yeah, that that's a guy. Six foot two, 220, as I said. So I think that wide receiver room, super talented once again, super competitive. But Brendan Rice will be among those that top level of guys who could be your number one target. And I think it starts in spring, kind of set that tone. We know he's a really good uh, performer in practices. That's why he was consistently starting all season. So interested to see what, what Brendan Rice does this spring, especially getting to end the season with that huge performance in the Cotton Bowl and see if he can ride that momentum into 2023 and starting in spring. Yeah, and I mean, and when we could switch to the the guys that need to have a big spring, uh, that you're looking to have, you know, make big contributions in the spring, is someone that you know we got to see in the Cotton Bowl that we hadn't see for a while. I want to start with Cortland Ford um, because they, you know we, what we had heard from him is that things got better. I was asking a lot about it uh, when we were in Dallas, and uh, yeah, what what are your thoughts on Cortland Ford heading into the spring? Yeah, and just with the guys that need a big spring, this isn't this wasn't a list to kind of you know, shame them or anything. I just think they're just guys that there's a lot more competition at their position. Maybe they did some good things last season. They just need, if they're going to take that next step, they need to get started on the right foot for 2023. Some guys that have underperformed a little bit, some guys that, you know, that could get lost down the shuffle or get shuffled down the line if they don't, you know, get off on the right foot. So these are kind of those guys I was looking at. And it's not necessarily like, a bad thing. It's just like these guys I specifically want to identify as like these are guys that are kind of mystery. We don't really know what's going to happen with them moving forward uh, outside of Austin Jones, who was on that list, but for a different reason. But Corlin Ford, right, he started the season at left tackle in that competition with Bobby Haskins, a little bit of rotation. Then he hurt his ankle and then he went missing. You know, he was on a milk carton. He got jumped by Mason Murphy. It seemed like he was better, but he still wasn't playing. I think he only got like 50 snaps after the first two games over the course of 11 games, which is just weird, I guess. You know, just couldn't get back into the lineup. And then at the Cotton Bowl, suddenly 76 snaps, and he's out there essentially as a starter. So, yeah, Corlin Ford. I don't really know what to make of Corlin Ford. You have three incoming transfers. You have five incoming offensive linemen, you know, Jared Kingston, probably the favorite to win that that left tackle job. I'm sure Mason Murphy will be factored in there. Cortland Ford has technically, I guess, won two left tackle jobs the last two seasons, even though he was kind of in a rotation with Bobby Haskins before the injury. But he's been in a lot of left tackle competitions. And, you know, Jared Kingston and him, I think those are the two main contenders for left tackle. So I'm interested to see what Cortland Ford comes with in spring. I know he was, you know, a, a popular guy to circle as maybe, hey, maybe he looks into the transfer portal after this season. Maybe he's going to wait around till after spring. So he's a mystery to me. I don't really know what's going to happen with Cortland Ford. You know, yeah. he could have a big, big spring camp, jump into the portal because he's a valuable player. You know, he has left tackle experience. Six foot he six. He was the starter starter when they shared time. He was the guy who played first, you know. Big body athletic. So I think he would have people calling him if he entered the portal, but maybe he wants to stick around. I don't know. I think he'd be valuable as that backup. You know, he also can play guard a little bit. So I think it'd be really valuable to have him on the roster, but I just don't know what, what what's going to happen with him after spring. So we'll have to see what his spring camp actually looks like. And in that competition with Jared Kingston, another name, uh, a real polarizing name is obviously Corey Foreman, Yeah, you know, former number one overall player. You know, you've heard it before five star, 
you know, flash a little bit in 2022, had the biggest play of his career with that interception against UCLA, but didn't have a sack last season, only one tackle for a loss. And you could look at it like, you know, when Romello Height went down, everyone was like, all right, Corey's time. That didn't really happen. It was more Solomon Bird and then Nick Figueroa and then throwing a bunch of bodies at the edge rush at the rush end position. So, you know, that's not what you wanted to see, especially with a guy of his talent caliber on the team. Now, rush end position, super sack or at least super deep with bodies because you have Romello High coming back from injury. You have Salman Bird coming back. You're adding Jack Sullivan who can play rush end, defensive end. You have Jamil Muhammad, who is a hybrid and can play off the end as well. You have some incoming freshman, Braylon Shelby, who just shot up the rankings. David Peavy, six foot four, uh, linebacker out of San Diego. You have Anthony Lucas, who is probably going to play more defensive end, but even still, a guy who can use, is athletic enough to rush him off the end and stand him up. So there are a lot of options at rush end. And then you have Corey Foreman, uh, former number one player. So very deep. A lot of those guys, you know, need to actually get to the quarterback. They don't have a ton of production at that level or across the group, uh, across those uh, players, but still a lot of talent and a lot of options to work with. If Corey Foreman wants to make sure he's one of those options and maybe the option in 2023, I think it starts with a good spring camp. And remember, he missed spring camp, most of spring camp last season with that, I believe it was a, a, a kneecap injury or knee injury that slowed him down in winter workouts. So we'll see what, the, what, what number zero brings for uh, spring. Uh, true. And then one of the ones that, you know, we talk about the cotton bowl fans were talking about this guy for quite a while. What about Rajon Davis? Yeah, definitely. Definitely another name up there with Corey Foreman in terms of, you know, fans talk about him a lot with the linebacker issues last season, you know, with those injuries and uh, lack of athleticism and speed, Again, felt like 2021 where guys were screaming, Ray John Davis. Ray John Davis runs a four or five. Ray John Davis can cover wide receivers and play cornerback. Why not give him a look on a tight end or something? So did not play a lot of snaps throughout the season. I think it was like 10 defensive snaps or something like that. And then in the Con Bowl, get 26 snaps, which is the most he's ever played in the game. Even when you combine his 2021 and previous 13 games in 2022 so he and the, and the thing about it for the Tulane game was that he made plays he was around the ball had some memorable plays and just kind of was thrown in there and you know it wasn't perfect but he made tackles he made stops he, his name was called that I think that was the most important thing so like Russian linebacker is a lot better than it was last season, or at least yeah. deeper than last season. You have Shane Lee coming back. You have Eric Gentry coming back. You have Mason Cobb coming back, or excuse me, entering, who is a big-time player at Oklahoma State and, you know, circled to, in to be a favorite. You have the legend that is Tackett Curtis uh, at USC now, and early enrollee is going to be there in the spring. So Rajon Davis, you know, the competition is, is much uh, stiffer than it was last season, so... It Will is. he be able to turn that, you know, cotton bowl momentum into a good spring camp? I mean, that's the hope. I mean, with all those guys I listed, specifically Tackett, Mason, Gentry, and Rajon, those are your most athletic linebackers right now that have playing or that have those expectations. And Rajon Davis, you know, maybe he 
maybe turns into maybe your specialized nickel linebacker or, or I know Gerard has talked about turning Gentry into a nickel to get Mason Cobb, Tackett, and Gentry on the field at the same time. So maybe Rajon Davis can have some sort of packages moving forward for that for him. But, you know, I think it's going to be a big, not a make or break spring for him, but I think it's a big one for him just because all the attention will be on Mason Cobb, Tackett, Curtis, Eric Gentry coming back healthy. And then Rajon Davis, if you want to break into that, you need to have a good spring. You need to have a good fall. So, again, need to get off on the right foot for 2023 and spring camp. That's where it is. Yeah, I remember asking Lincoln Riley about Rajon Davis when we had that little sit-down with him a month or two ago. I forget what it was. And uh, I, the, one of the more interesting things he, to, he said, in my opinion, was that, you know, if you're a player, like we tell you, don't, let, don't make the coaches make a 50-50 call. You know, if it's like, eh, it could go either way. You, that's not, you make it clear, like you need to be on the field. And I think he wasn't doing that really in practice. He was giving the coaches like, well, this was good, but maybe not this. And then you see what he did in the game. I think that's sort of like, okay. Definitive. Made, yeah, you, it was a lot more definitive. So I think he needed that because, uh, you, like you said, there's a bunch of new players coming in. If you were just sort of uh, in the background, now the new players come in and you're almost you're at the same level, essentially. Well, he has, you know, the 26 snaps or whatever it was in the Cotton Bowl. I think he needed that. And then, you know, have a big spring. Like you, were, you know, like you mentioned, this is a guy, you know, if, and you can build on that Cotton Bowl momentum and be ahead of those players that are coming in. Because otherwise, it's a position group that underperformed and nobody really stood out and you can be that one of those guys that does. Uh, but if not, I mean, you might play a whole bunch of guys. You might get passed right away. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's an important one for him. And you could argue it's like it's only spring camp. You know, fall is where the real starters are going to be made. But, but still, spring camp is where you, you know, get your early momentum. Spring camp is where you get your confidence moving into summer workouts and PRPs and then fall camps. Spring is incredibly valuable, even though you're not, you know, starting positions are not one in spring. Absolutely not. But they still help you set a tone as individuals and for your competitions moving forward. Yeah. Why don't we do this? Let's, uh, we're like at the 50 minute mark. Let's take a or 55 minutes. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I uh, want one more topic we're going to talk about, and then we'll get into some questions and let you guys go back in a minute. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Uh, great stuff. So make sure you go to uscfootball.com. Check out all of Chris's lists. Uh, heading into spring ball, there's more coming, right, Chris? You got some more? Yeah, I got. Uh, I'm probably going to do depth chart projections for next week. I like to do those closer to actual spring camp, so yeah, I think I'll probably try to get those out next week. I have maybe I have storylines coming up. I have biggest uh, spring battles coming up. I have positional power rankings coming up. Wow, probably for this week. So lots of stuff to come. Nice. Uh, make sure you go check it all out. At uscfootball.com. Uh, some people asked in the chat, so I'm also doing the Pac-12 podcast live after this show. So it'll be, I guess, at about an hour, 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific. A little, I'm going to do the same bit with Dave, uh, my co-host, David Woods, and give him a I love you donut. So shh, don't tell anyone. But if you're watching both shows, you're going to see the same bit there. But we've had donuts and stuff on the show or anything. Some Pac-12 sort of news. I know that USC's leaving, and you're sort of just kind of like, 
do you really care if you you walk out of you know if you leave a company that you feel like the management stinks and after you go it just crumbles and, and goes out of business? I don't know. Maybe there's a sense of satisfaction if something like that happens. Or you feel like you're worth a little bit. I don't know. But there's a lot going on in the uh, the college football world as far as like conference expansion and stuff goes. I want to get your thoughts on some of this, Chris. But for the Pac-12, George Klyovkov, uh didn't come come out with a statement this week, but the the um, board the the management board did. All the presidents did saying it was a unity statement that they're going to come out. They're going to be you know they're having great uh, conversations with potential media partners that the teams are all unified because there's a lot of rumors out there that people want to leave. They're going to jump, you know, abandon ship. And, uh, you know, it's going up against the big 12, the big 12, I think got the jump on the pac 12 in some cases where yes, they were poached first. So Texas and Oklahoma gets poached away, but they had an opportunity to more time backfill. to regroup. Yeah. They had time to regroup. They took the best group of five schools so when the Pac-12 lost USC and UCLA, the best kind of replacements were already gone. And now you're looking at SMU and San Diego State. That's not as good as like Houston and Cincinnati, who just was in the playoff, and BYU. Um, so, I mean, I think the Pac-12 is in, a, in a, a tough spot. The Pac-12 did have an advantage where they were next up to, to renegotiate their media rights contract. And the Big 12 jumped them again, and they just redid a deal. And so... I feel like I, initially, Chris, I would, and I'll talk about this on the Pac-12 podcast too. I was giving George Klyovkov kind of the benefit of the doubt. Like you've come in, it was a really tough hand you were given by Larry Scott. You fixed a bunch of things, which is great. You know, similar to what Mike Bone had to do. But Mike Bone eventually hired Lincoln Riley. I think when the big thing came, and I'm giving Klyovkov a little bit more blame for the USC leaving. Like you needed to know once Texas and Oklahoma left. Your big, your big schools could leave, too. That's the alarm bell. Yeah, that's the alarm bell. You need to go, what couldn't we afford? Like, if Oregon State says we're going to go and, like, it, you, you can survive that. You couldn't survive if USC leaves. So, I don't know what kind of conversations were had. Maybe he, like, pulled out all the stops to keep USC there. But I think that the general feeling around the conference was, like, even though it wasn't the parody thing that Larry Scott wanted – they weren't putting like the USC's up on a pedestal and they weren't going to like give USC a bigger chunk of the media pie. I don't think people wanted to do that. Not realizing that if you don't and they leave, now your your media pie is a lot smaller. And so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe someone writes a book on this someday. But I'm giving Klyovkov a little bit more blame for not preemptively striking. He's been defensive. He hasn't been getting out and being uh, preemptive about some of these things. And you know USC being one of them, and then I think a miscalculation with the media rights deal to allow the Big 12 to go ahead and and to spend a lot of time hoping that UCLA gets trapped into staying by the Board of Regents. That was the pipe dream. And um, he really told people like two different scenarios if UCLA stays or leaves. Like you're focused on the wrong things. Like that's a desperation play for me. But I don't know, man. Like it's I'm, you know, I'm rooting for the Pac-12. I hope the Pac-12 survives, but this is this is not a good sign, I think, right now. And maybe they come up with a media rights deal. That's great. Um, it's probably going to include a lot of streaming, and you maybe get more money. But the Big Twelve already put a number up there. It's like you go first. It's like you you're you're the this number in the clubhouse you have to beat. And Klayovkov was very optimistic about being able to beat it. 
And the fact that it's taking this long is telling me that he's not able to beat it and he's got to figure out some way to get a higher number than the Big 12. Not even the number that he was talking about, but just at least higher than the Big 12. And getting more inventory, SMU at San Diego State might be part of it. But it's a little bit of a mess right now. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what you think about it, Chris. While you did, you know, say you put blame on uh, Klayakoff. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. I, people so, say it differently, you know. Said it, whatever. But can we also acknowledge that he had like a pretty crappy hand to start with? He had, 100%. He had crappy yeah. cards. And I think he was doing his best to try to keep it moving, you know, just get, get, keep him moving, let him, let him survive another day. And then USC, UCLA happened. And we don't, like you said, we don't know, like if, if that was totally, you know, negligent on him and not, you know, realizing like, Hey, let's keep the, the, the big boy happy in USC. Then that, yeah, that's, that's on him. But if he did try everything and it's still, it felt like an inevitable situation where it was like, we're really ready for a change, you know, yeah. you know, on his hands begging, like, please. And it wasn't going to do anything then. Obviously, he, he took over a weekend uh, conference. So, you know, I, I do empathize, empathize a little bit that it just felt like he had a losing hand the whole time. And multiple times he's been stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it just doesn't seem like any way he can go. It doesn't really help him because they're, you know, the Big 12 learned much more from their losses earlier and were able to pivot better and quicker. It's like getting injured in spring as opposed to two weeks before fall. You know, they're ready for it. You know, USC's or excuse me, Pac-12 caught offhand late and they're scrambling and nothing ever happens good when you're scrambling in, yeah. a, in a business sense. So I just think it. he's just had an incredibly tough job to do and a losing hand, rocking a hard place, whatever cliche you want to do. Just not a good spot to be in. I think he's, it's just, it's just sliding down, you know, slow avalanche, if you will. Yeah. And I, it's, it's interesting to me because when I would talk on the Pac-12 podcast or even just on Twitter or wherever, and I would get crap from like Oregon fans or Utah fans, whoever, when we would talk about how important USC is and they were like, well, you know, this team beat them. That's it. They've been bad. Like, yes, they've been bad, but the brand is still important and all USC needed to do was hire a good coach and instantly you're a national uh point of conversation again you are nationally relevant USC hires Lincoln Riley they win 11 games they get a Heisman Trophy boom it's like that like you if you were at Oregon and you were like four and eight you're not going 11 and one win the Heisman the next year like you can only do that a couple of places and USC happens to be one of them and I the the feedback I was getting was it just like USC is not as important as you think it is that they've they, the, the kind of mindset was it's just you know, they're about the same as everybody else. And I'm like, that's just bull. That's not the case. Like, I'm sorry, but it's just the Pac-12 was being carried by, you know, you were, USC was subsidizing a lot of the Pac-12. Not, I mean, there's some really good brands. There's, And I think they all work well together, but you kind of needed that, you know, you needed the, the big one. And USC was that big name, even when they were down. Um, and if Klayovkov knew, I, I think he, like you said, he was fixing so many problems. Some of it is like, how do I get this conference to be better? You sort of make some assumptions sometimes like, well, I need USC and UCLA to stay, but I can't like focus on that. I just have to assume that that's going to happen. If that was the case, like that's a wrong assumption. Like you have to really kind of circle the wagons and make sure they stay. Cause if every, all of your other plans fall apart, if you lose Los Angeles, which you know, they end up doing, 
Uh, I'd love to hear like what, you know, was kind of going on behind the scenes, but it might've been a thing where he's like, Hey, we could lose USC and UCLA. We have to, we have to step up and do something. And, and the other presidents might've been like, no. And, you know, he's answers to the presidents. And if, if they were like, it doesn't matter, you know, they, we don't feel it that important. We don't feel they're going to leave. Um, and then they do. I think now you, is when you kind of realize where you're like, oh, it's really not that important. This isn't that important. And then you realize, oh crap, it is that important. And that's, you know, I know USC is leaving. So maybe a lot of Trojan fans don't care, but seeing, I think seeing what this media rights deal comes to, you know, what it does, what it ends up being kind of shows, can show you a lot of what your worth is as a college football brand. And that's kind of the position USC is in right now to kind of just watch. Um, USC is taken care of financially. I mean, we'll talk about, you know, all the travel and all that kind of stuff, but they've, they're with a huge, you know, they're with a, the Pac-12 would kill for a, a media rights deal that's in the same stratosphere as what the Big Ten has. So USC is in good shape there, but I know a lot of people are curious of what happens uh, in the Pac-12 when they move on. Uh, let's go to a voicemail, Chris. I'll play this for you. Hey, this question is for the flagship, the Ryan and Chris show. Um, Eddie from Orange. Just wanted to uh, bring up uh, two things real quick. Uh, first, we have a lot of talk about all the great people coming in, all the great players coming in um, on the defensive side that, and you know, offensive line that might be um, a boost to defense. I think uh, two players that are kind of like incoming um, players because they were both injured last year, but I think will make a huge impact are um, Romello Height and uh, Carson Tiberucci. I think uh, they'll both have a huge impact. I mean, I'm really excited to see what the Italian Stallion, uh, Carson Tiberucci, does this year. So hopefully um, we can, uh, you know, see that. Uh, I believe he's up and running. It should be ready for the spring. So uh, thoughts on that. And then, um, Chris, if you have heard if he is available for the spring, That'd be great. And yeah, that's all I got. Have a good one, guys. Bye. All right. Is he Italian? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Serious. He's from Utah. Are there Italians in Utah? I, I, I'm assuming yes. Because I feel like we state. I feel like we made it Italian. Just the way you said Tabarucci. <laughs> right. We made it, we made it Italian. Love like it. you can make any last name Italian. But I'm getting off track. The, the first part, the first point, excuse me, Romello Height. Yeah, I think a lot of people have just like outright forgot about Romello Height. Like he got hurt in the Sanford game and then it was like, okay, they just like forgot about him. And a lot of people were like, is he going to stay or is he going to the NFL draft? He had no choice but to come back. The NFL. No one was going to draft him. Right. He does not. I don't. He doesn't have a single sack in his career. He's an edge rusher without a sack. He's not going to have <laughs> You're not high draft size and had two shoulder surgeries. And this isn't me like just dumping on him, but this is like, just think about it critically. Like he has to come back. Yeah. And I'm a big Romello height, uh, believer, you know, he's first, one of the first guys off the bus, just physically the soldier, the soldier, the shoulder, shoulder injuries are concerning. Obviously, you know, if, if he gets banged up again, you know, that that's not great, but, uh, I am assuming he's going to be maybe slowly reintegrated for, for spring camp just to keep him fresher, for fall, but he could, you know, be the starter once again. And we have not seen him play at a hundred percent. We have not seen him do that. Obviously he was injured in fall camp. I still remember watching that practice very clearly when he got injured and 
was not right since. So he could be a, a difference maker off the edge. And I wonder what the defense would have looked like if they had him and Tuli Tu Pelotu going at the same time. That would have been very interesting to see. But yes, do not forget about Romelo Height. And then Carson. Carson's interesting just because he is raw in the sense that he played both ways uh, at high school, Park City. You know, he's a talented running back, linebacker as well. But when you're when you're going both ways, you don't have a lot of time to f- learn kind of the ins and outs of like linebacker and the defensive positions. Yeah, that similar to Prophet Brown and Gerard explained this really well, where you're playing cornerback and running back. You know, most of the time you're really kind of just focusing on your offensive position, and you're just out there kind of doing what you do and getting by at, on your athleticism a lot of the times and just your your ability that way. So that's why. Prophet Brown, Dante Williams made that point to talk about how, you know, when you play both ways on offense and running back, excuse me, offense and defense, you're mainly focusing on on offense. So that's why it took time to get Prophet Brown in and kind of really get him into the learning the position of cornerback. And the same thing for Carson really has to learn the position of linebacker a lot more. That was something he talked about when he was at Utah for, for spring. So he needs some more development. He obviously did not get that last season because he was injured. So I'm not sure that big impact in terms of on the field defensively is going to be where he makes his mark. I think he's going to be more of a scout team guy and a guy who can play special teams. I think that's the big opportunity for him is being, you know, on kickoff coverages, all that pump return. I think he could be a really good weapon uh, on special teams, but I still think he needs more time to develop uh, defensively at that linebacker spot. And there's a lot of older guys already, so they don't need him to be there, but... I, I think he's very talented. He has a high ceiling, but he just needs more development. So yeah. I, I think he needs at least another season because he didn't even get anything last year just being on, injured. And as far as the injury, I haven't heard that he's uh, had a setback or anything. So I think he's shaping up to be available in the spring, which is, is a big win just to get him back on the field and in pads. But we'll have to see because I, I never really got what the injury was. There were sometimes yeah, he's walking sure. around fine, and then one week I saw him – like in a cart right. or a thing. So I don't really know what it is. I'm assuming it's a lower leg injury, but we'll, we'll, we'll see more as we get closer to spring. But, you know, I, I expect him to be out there. Yeah. Um, a Courtman says chef's kiss. Let's do this. would be our screenshot. You want to do a chef's kiss real quick? Tabarucci. Yeah, we'll do that. Perfect. That's our screenshot. Where were the what one ten? Nice. Uh, let's go to some questions we got in the chat. Let's start with Zombie. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, Zombie says, uh, "Who do you think will lead the team in sacks this upcoming season?" Oh, great question. That is a really good question. Great question. I'm gonna say Anthony Lucas. I like that. I think Anthony Lucas is a good call. Let's go to How the Texas A&M transfer. If you're not familiar. Uh, Howell says, if Deuce doesn't come to SC, should Riley look uh, for a down-the-field threat at tight end in the second transfer portal window? Tight ends played a big role in the Super Bowl. Yeah, if they don't get Deuce, I wouldn't be shocked if they looked at maybe bringing in another tight end. Yeah, I think that's... uh, But right now they're all in on Deuce, you know, bringing that in. They're trying to... And they still got five on the roster. I mean, I think they got to use the ones they have better, probably. Um, But, yeah. Let's go to uh, Ramon, who says, does Todd Munkin leaving Georgia help USC in the race for Deuce Robinson? So he's the offensive coordinator. He's now going to Chris Trevino's Baltimore Ravens. 
Huge fan of the Baltimore Ravens, right, Chris? I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but they're my second <laughs> team, as I've stated. But we'll talk more about this on Composite Two Star Recruit. I know Ooh. Gerard will do. When do you record three that? Hours. Uh, tomorrow. We'll Wednesday. be back tomorrow. We took a break due to my sickness, uh, but we're back. We're going. That's my Valentine's Day gift to you guys. We're, we're back tomorrow, but it does because obviously there's a relationship there. But Georgia's going to be fine, you know, offensively. You know, they still have, you know, they just won a national championship. They're going, they're going to be fine. They're, they're going to find ways to be good on offense, and they're going to be good on offense next season. You know, they have to rebuild that relationship with his offensive coordinator, or I believe they're just promoting someone, correct? I don't know. I didn't see what I believe they, they are. I, I'm blanking on the name right now, but Deuce has been on campus multiple times, and knows who this coach is, who I'm blanking on at the moment. So there's still going to be some connection there. I, I do think it it helps a little bit. It helps USC a little bit. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's like clinch it. Oh, Mike certified. Bobo. Zombie says yes, Mike Bobo. Bobo. Yeah. So, you know, Bobo's a good offensive coordinator. You know, they'll still be okay offensively. But it just hurts a little bit because, you know, I'm sure that was a really good relationship he had with Deuce just – helping recruit them and when he got on campus and stuff but I, it hurts it helps a little bit but it doesn't hurt georgia that much you know it's not a it's not a it's not a death blow yeah. to the recruitment is what i'm saying yeah grateful trojan uh he says off topic but thoughts on notre dame decl- declining to play to pay 2.5 million buyout for utah's offensive coordinator seems strange to me so um andy ludwig uh, Utah's offensive coordinator. Apparently the buyout was closer to $3 million or $2.5 million or something. Uh, Notre Dame was interested, and they do not. Um, they don't end up pulling the trigger. So and they still I, don't have an OC? I don't, yeah, Notre Dame's still trying to hire somebody, mm. but they could have taken Utah's. Um, Cam Rising, by the way, had an ACL tear, so he's trying to get back for the beginning of the season. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, they should go get Bobo. Then it's a double. Oh. Then it's a double hurt for uh, Georgia and Josh yeah. Robinson. I don't know, Grateful Georgia. I mean, like what Notre Dame's doing there. Um, I mean, it's it weird if you want Tommy him, Reese, you just which, want to pay up for him. Maybe you didn't want him that bad. I don't know how good Tommy Reese was either. Uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, I think Stuart Mandel tweeted like, million buyout, like in the SEC, you're just like, that's just the price to get going. Like, they wouldn't even blink, you know? Um, Yeah, I think I have that on me right now. Yeah. But let me get my other wallet. Thanks for that one. Uh, LT, uh, LFG says, uh, rhetorical, wonder which 23 USC running back will try to equal uh, 2022's Travis Dye's difference making blitz pickups. I know Austin Jones was, uh, you know, taking pride in trying to get better. Yeah, be better at. And he'll uh, need to be better at that because that's what NFL scouts want to see. And if he wants to be the number one running back, gotta gotta pick up some blitzes. So I don't know what Marshawn Lloyd's ability as our blitz picker up. Yeah, I haven't but, seen too much on that. But he's a bigger back, you know, two hundred pounds. Played in the SEC, so I'm sure he has some familiarity. So he could be a, a really good bit blitz picker up, or we'll have to see in practices. So yeah, I would say between those two are your your favorites to be 
key blitz guys. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like if anyone's going to be the rock star that Travis Dye was, but no blocky, no rocky is a real thing. And I think you can, if you are fine, like if you're adequate at blocking and you run the ball well, catch the ball in the backfield, you'll play. But if you're like run the ball great and you there's no blocky, there's probably not going to be any more Rocky. So you have to at least be, you know, decent at this. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to be great at it like Travis I was, but we'll see. But you can't we'll be, see. Can't be a liability. We'll um, see. Yeah. That's where you work on in spring. Yeah. Ian says, Hey Ryan, I'm curious if you have an updated team composite uh talent ranking. I know it'll change after spring, but was curious. So 24-7 Sports does this, but they don't update it until August, I believe. So it's like fall camp time. So they kind of wait until the roster's all, um, you know, flattened out and everyone knows where everyone's going to be. So, yeah, so there'll be a new t- talent composite, but it'll be uh, in like August is when they usually do it. Do you got any other info on that, Chris? Is that that correct? All right. We got one more and uh, we'll let you guys go out of here from Eddie. Why does 247 rank USC and UCLA's 2024 recruiting class in the Pac-12 if the 2024 kids uh, will never play uh, in the Pac-12? Look, man. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a engineering issue for me. That's not a that's a question for Casey. I don't yeah. I don't go to them and be like, move this to the Big Ten rankings. That'll yeah. have to be dealt with at another time. Probably after the season. Yeah. Um, Millionaire Mindset put up a couple of things. Who's going to play more, Austin Jones or Lloyd? And he says, how much playtime will Marion Peterson get? To- I would say Jones early. Yeah, I think Jones. I yeah. think Jones is my pick. And then Marion Peterson. Uh, I, Marion's a, an, an enigma wrapped in a mystery. So... I'm really excited to see what he looks like in spring. Yeah. I'd probably say Quinn Joyner is closer, is probably the favorite out of those two of to those get two. more playing time. I feel like one of them will redshirt, uh, so we'll see. But I wouldn't sleep on Marion. That's a good – that's a sleeper kind of guy to – he's a big dude. He's a big dude. So we'll, we'll see what that looks like. And we saw, you know – they would go with one back for a lot. So is that going to happen again? Or is it going to be more of an even distribution? I don't know. But they've shown the ability to just say, hey, we're going to go with a, a, a back and go with that. Um, and running back's fun because you could be a true freshman and just be the guy. It happens all the time. Every Like the like the Mississippi Ole Miss guy, Judkins, I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah, he just came out of nowhere as a true freshman. Just like He's like all-American caliber, like already being touted as a – Top pick. So for all I know, one of those guys could walk in and be like, no, we're the starter. So that's what's fun about running back. It's an, it's an easy jumping point from high school to college for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, we uh, I think that's about it. We're, ta- we're going to try to do some more stuff on the YouTube channel if you're watching it on YouTube. One of the things that I didn't know about, and let us know in the chat room if you guys use these YouTube shorts. Um, I thought it would be a good way. YouTube shorts are like 15 second things. So like what the old Instagram stories used to be. Now you can do longer videos and stuff. Um, but we could do a couple sort of like recaps from the beginning of the show. That's a little short. We'll put it up on YouTube and you can kind of get a link back to the, uh, the entire show. I'll try to do one. I have just unscripted. Um, we start off the show and I know people were asking about the USC scholarship 
chart, the 2023 scholarship distribution chart. Um, so I'm going to do one, and I'm Chris. Think about this. I'm going to have you do one for the. So that's be 15 seconds. Uh, you're going to do one for the addition, the the added support staff. Do you think you can do like a 15 second like update on the support staff for our listeners? You can try. I if can it doesn't try. work, you know, well, yeah. Um, we're doing it right now. I'm going to try. We're just going to try one. Okay. I'll do. I'll do mine first, and then we'll get ready to do yours. We'll do this. Okay. And if you listen to the podcast, it's a little recap of what you heard maybe from the beginning. Scholarship chart for USC 2023 is live. Right now, we had 90 people on scholarship, according to our count. That's going to come down by the summer. But you, Lincoln Riley going to add some more guys after spring. Some players going to leave. So we'll have to see how it all pans out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was 15 seconds. It seems like it was close. It'll go viral. It could be viral. Chris, what about the, uh, the support just, staff just, additions? Just throw it to me. USC and Lincoln Riley making some changes to the support staff, filling some holes on the the coaching staff because I screwed it up. That was that was awful. That was awful. Do one more. You can try to get. Uh, I hate this. I hate this. I want to eat this donut. I don't want to do this. Let's go. USC and Lincoln Riley making some changes to their college football. Coaching? Nope, I fucked it up. I don't like this. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to do it. That's fine. I thought we'd try it. Cut it. I don't yeah. want it. It's live. Yeah. Uh, nice. I know. Well, it's hard. Like, <laughs> don't we, nice me. That was sarcastic. <laughs> no, we we have to cut like clips of it. No, I understand. We we I just talk, I don't, don't like we, doing. We don't talk lines. in fifteen second sign, sound bites on these shows. So, yeah. That's all right. I'll try. I'll put that one up and see uh, if that I works. I thought I had a good show and that ruined it. <laughs> Get me out of here. You will get the donut at least. So I ate my donut while you were talking. So that, you know. Not that one. I fucked that up. Oh, (laughs) you've like swore like three times on the show. (laughs) One was for a story. That's true. One was for a story. story. Yeah, that was good. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. uh, On that disaster. Yeah. No, hope you guys all uh, enjoyed the show. We really appreciate it. Um, All the listeners, all the people watching live on YouTube, please. Smash that like, subscribe button over on our YouTube channel. Uh, Five-star reviews wherever you're listening to the podcast. And tell your friends. They're out there. Hey, you know, uh, I got these USC podcasts I've been listening to for a while. Maybe go check it out. You can watch it live on YouTube and all that fun stuff. So for Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 